Welcome, everyone, to the Launchpad here in Puckburg, a podcast for the daring do bad and good puck tales on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Sullivan, aka Shaggy Von Doom, with another episode of Puck Tales. Woo woo! And the you know who on the other end of the woo hoo. You can hear him on 1043 The Fan. You can find his written works in books like uh, Blood Feud and A Hundred Things to Do as an Avalanche fan. You can also find him right now, 24-7 on Colorado Hockey Now, the one, the only, Adrian Dater. How's it going, my friend? Hey, it's going, man. I appreciate you having me. Uh, it's not uh, every day I do one of these uh, uh, interviews, but I'm happy to do it, especially to Al- Birmingham, Alabama's number one <laughs> absent, and maybe only absent, but uh, that's neither here nor there. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Good to yeah. be here. It's an honor to have you. Um, before we hit record, I was telling you, like, um, I was a huge fan of yours. Like, growing up, like, I have your books. Like, you were my source for Avalanche content for a long, long, long time. And uh, it's a little bit of hero worship right here. It's uh, getting to talk to one of my heroes. So it's an honor to have you on here in Puckburg. Well, that's, that's A, great to hear, and B, really weird to hear. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know I've, I'm a kid from, you know, small town New Hampshire who couldn't, uh, you know, <clears throat> couldn't even tie my shoes, basically, getting into, you know, high school. Um, so <laughs> to have anybody say that they, <laughs> they followed me and read anything by me and patterned or, you know, consider me anything uh resembling a celebrity or anything or a hero certainly not but uh uh strange strange to hear well, and yet you know yeah here we are so thank you that's a great intro no it's uh it's <laughs> great it's it's one of those it's uh like you're that voice in between like the team you love and obsess and you're the one on the inside given like that information that you just you you look for so yeah you were the trusted voice for the well basically the entire existence of the colorado avalanche so well yeah i was gonna say i've, I've covered the team even before they were named the avalanche uh you know i was the guy who got lucky with the a scoop that pretty much made my whole journalism career uh as a you know part-time writer at the denver post but i did cover some hockey as part of my duties there <clears throat> and out of the blue one day i get a call telling me to you know go chase a story that from my source said that uh uh, the owners of Denver Nuggets were going to buy the Quebec Nordiques and move them to Denver. And, uh, you know, um, that, that, that one phone call turned into, you know, uh, 20, 26 years later, still, still, still writing about this team. Hard to believe, uh, but also a real honor, you know? Yeah. And that was, that was one of the things I was going to mention. You were the one that got ahead of that Rocky mountain extreme story and really started things before, the avalanche even got here and being in that being in that area at that time did you think um when the nordiques were moving down to denver did you think this was going to be something viable that would last especially how the uh the colorado rockies lasted maybe just a like a little flash in the pan 
did you think not talking the baseball team we're talking the uh the hockey team before did you yep. think this was going to be a viable option going forward and did you see the success right out of the gate well i didn't see a stanley cup that first year but i did see a viable team that would be very good i mean uh, you know everybody i talked to <clears throat> leading up to this whole thing you know was like wow you know you're gonna get one hell of a team in denver um you know it, it, this team had Peter Forsberg in his second year and Joe Sackick and foot and, and you know so we knew it'd be a good team uh and I thought it'd be a viable as far as you know sales go Denver had changed a lot from the 70s when it was basically just an oil town only in the 70s so one industry really you know like maybe two like farming and oil you know yeah. um by the mid 90s you know even a few years after I'd moved here personally from New Hampshire in 91, you know, you could just, you know, the reason why I came out to Denver was people who were already here, but one friend of mine said, wow, this is like a gold mine town here. You know, like the streets are paved with gold. Um, come on out to Denver and just start over. And I was like, yeah, that sounds damn good. Actually. You know, I was a, in 1991, I was, um, you know, a guy who worked at a newspaper in New Hampshire had written some sports articles and had had like two, two and a half years of, um, you know, uh, experience in a newsroom. Basically, proofreading our articles was my job. It was and it was mostly for the advertisements in the paper, not not the editorial side, even though I did occasionally get tossed something to read from that. end. but, uh, you know, um, long story short i got laid off and i just decided to move to denver with nothing uh except my friend's recommendation to come out you know no car no job nothing um and uh you know um you know four years later i was uh covering this team that was uh, new to denver but also like me um to tie it in why i thought it would succeed financially is because you know there were so many people like me from especially back east who moved out west to start a new life essentially and uh you could see it everywhere not just my business but tech you know uh, telecommunications you know i think uh, u.s west was one of the first um phone companies that did mobile out and ever yeah. you know i think it was right here in denver um there was you know uh, a lot of tv and and, and uh, stuff going on here too with cable like i think denver is one of the homes of cable tv if you look it up a guy named marvin davis uh started basically cable tv uh, and so yeah it was just a very uh felt like a city on the move so to speak you know and i felt like when the avalanche came too they were just going to add another full um you know level to the foundation of a really good success story and and, and i i was right and so was you know everybody else who was living here probably saw it at the same time too we, we all thought it was going to succeed and coming from new hampshire um and starting fresh in denver um and getting handed like covering the avalanche were you a hockey fan at that point or was that just uh the next thing up and you wanted to cover that because it was something new and fresh at the time or did hockey no, fandom was, have something I, to do with that move? Yeah, no, I was not a hockey guy. Um, although I grew up playing a little hockey, being from uh, New Hampshire, where there's frozen ponds everywhere. I actually played more on. We didn't have a, a high school team uh, where I went to high school for hockey. So that I think if they had one, 
I might have played, you know, uh, but we didn't have a team. Uh, I moved from basically the rich town to the poor town in New Hampshire when I was in eighth grade. Uh, and I went, the rich town had a hockey team and I actually played a, l- a little bit of hockey growing up uh, before I moved. We had to move away when I was like 13. Um, and so any kind of hockey participation for me just ended right then and there. Uh, when we moved to this poor, poor town <laughs> that was only like 20 miles away from the rich town, but it, that seemed like a lifetime yeah. for, for me some, for some reason. Anyway, I never got to play hockey in high school. Um, and, uh, you know, but I did watch the Boston Bruins play. I was a fan as a little kid, even watching Bobby Orr. I mean, that's how old I am. I, I actually did watch Bobby Orr, uh, play. Yeah. Uh, not uh, not live i never went to a bruins game live i did see him play on tv though all the time live and uh it was like oh my god you know they were the my probably my first favorite team really i think um but you know i never uh i was never you know bruins were never my uh number one passion not even close like it was red Sox and patriots and celtics way ahead um but, uh, you know, when I got to Denver, I actually, uh, you know, I got told to go cover some DU hockey games. And uh, after that, it's, they decided to sort of basically keep me on as the beat writer, uh, even though I wasn't a full-time guy. You know, I basically went to all their weekend games and uh, wrote about them. And uh, then the Denver Grizzlies came to town in 1994 because I was the only guy covering hockey uh, at all at the paper with DU. Uh, they gave me that beat, too. And that was great. Butch Goring was the coach and, you know, just these great, great, great stories to tell from, and they won the championship, uh, my one, one and only, uh, year covering them. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, I think because of those two teams covering, uh, the, what I did, whoever the, who called the office and I can't reveal his name, uh, but who gave me the tip about the Nordiques, uh, you know, he asked for the quote unquote hockey person at the paper and, and they just sort of passed me through to this, this person. And, uh, that's when I got the tip. Um, and, uh, yeah, after that, I just, be- I became a hockey guy. I, uh, I, I, uh, I am now, I wasn't as much <laughs> as a kid, but, uh, it's weird how that happens. Right. I, uh, I really wasn't hockey was probably number four on my whole list of sports when I uh, really analyzed it back then. And how about that? Your uh, a lot of your hockey memories of watching and experiencing the game would be those Bobby Orr teams, and now <laughs> yeah. now you and uh, Peter McNabb are like the two longest names yeah. in the history of the Avalanche on the, the media side. So yeah. it's uh, and at at that moment when you were covering like the the Grizzlies and DU, did you ever think this was going to be something that you're going to be running into? What is now going to be the 26th year of the team? No. I mean, um, you know, no, how can you, I, uh, you know, I, I, 20, 20 of those years with Denver post, uh, um, I had a, you know, unceremonious exit from the post, uh, seven years ago, but, uh, you know, basically except for maybe one year, uh, I still have been there every day with the team. Uh, you know, I, there was an in-between year where I didn't, I uh, wasn't around the team that much, but I did cover hockey still. I, I was the, you know, I went from the Denver Post to uh, to to the national hockey writing top guy, which shocked me and still does. Uh, I had Bleacher Report for two yeah. years, <laughs> and uh, 
and that was great like it was a really i probably would have left the post for a place like bleacher report uh, anyway yeah um before before i was a free agent or you know after i was a free agent i i was not as choosy but uh, <laughs> but it turned out to be a great you know thing for me and uh two good years there and i went on to uh, bsn denver uh like two years yeah i was at them um and uh they're now called dmvr right and mm-hmm. uh but uh you know i had a good couple of years there i would say mostly all good a uh, little little friction between me and the owner at, at times and that's that's you know that was gonna be that was sort of what we both knew would happen um but uh yeah then i went on to just start my own site finally and you know take the leap of faith and uh um, now I'm coming up on two and a half years doing that. And it's been, it's been awesome. I mean, I can't, can't imagine like how lucky I am to have a site that I can, you know, actually, you know, I'm sort of the, I'm the boss and, you know, I yet, you know, it's like, wow. Um, why didn't I do this sooner kind of thing? But yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been amazing. I'm, I've been the, <clears throat> the biggest thing I always remind myself is it's been such an honor to cover this team and deliver it to the, to the fans some of them many of them go way back to day one with me um and um you know what an honor that is to to cover a team and uh as long as i have you know i mean you know i never would have thought i'd be an avalanche <laughs> anything but uh it's the fact that it's been that way you know you know it's something i'll i'll get really weepy uh, on a rocking chair someday uh you know probably about it but uh right now i guess i'm still churning away at it yeah it <laughs> and it goes back to that that point we talked about earlier with uh, your writing and your books. And it's not just that you're covering the avalanche, but the relationships and the insight and the information you get and that, that relationship is just so incredible. Yeah. Like if you go back and look through that 100 Things book, the stories that you have in each one of those 100, just like to experience that, like the plane yeah. rides and the behind the scenes yeah. and the the fax machine story with Super yeah. Joe. And That's just, right just all those experiences. I mean, that had to be just absolutely incredible from just like starting fresh to, um, and especially at the time, like the avalanche winning as soon as they get here and then Denver becoming title town for the late nineties and early two thousands. Like it was, it was the, you had the Broncos hitting their stride and you had the avalanche hitting their stride and Mm -hmm. the Rockies Rockies were playoffs. One of those years. And I think one or two of them. And I think that, was that around the time a Tombo hit the Nuggets? Um, n- yes, uh, Matum- No, actually, no. Uh, Matumbo and that series they beat Seattle was 1994, so 94, right before okay. the ads. Yeah, but but the Nuggets were still good for those, you know, some of those years. And you, you had know, it you was had just eyes awesome on the- to be in this town. I mean, it really was awesome. I still am so f- honored and flattered that I was, you know. It got to be a Denver media personnel. I mean, you know, it, I, you know, you know, I, I don't think I've spent enough time, you know, really appreciating people of Colorado and Denver, um, you know, how much it means to me. A lot of people still think, uh, you know, all I talk about is New Hampshire and Boston, but really, you know, I am a Colorado and more than I am a, you know, an Easterner now. Um, and that's how I think of myself. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's 
incredible. It was incredible then to get off the floor with sort of a new era of sports and media there. And, uh, you know, yeah, we were just handed a great team <laughs> on a platter. Wins the Stanley Cup first year, you know, major trades, effervescent personalities, Hall of Famers. I mean, yeah, I can't, I'm not, I can't believe it all happened. I mean, I really don't. I, you know, you have to go back to what I was saying, what I, my life used to be like. Like I was, you know, living in my mother's parents, my stepfather's basement in 91 um didn't have a car because i cracked it up in a f- unbelievably fluky accident which had nothing to do with my bad driving or anything else but a tire blew out basically and we yeah we you know i had no car um i'd make it six dollars an hour i get basically get laid off from that job like um, and they made up some BS ex- reasons why, you know, maybe they had to let me go. You know, it's like I knew it wasn't true, but they were just trying to cut some salary, um, you know. And, uh, yeah, to be able to say, like, four years later, you go from your parents' basement where you can't even get out of bed because you're so depressed. You're such a loser, <laughs> basically, right? And then to, you're to flying on the airplane with Joe Sackick and Patrick Waugh, you know, asking, talking about hockey with them. And having them treat you like you're just, you know, you're, they're almost a buddy of yours already. Like it's, it was crazy. Yeah, crazy. and that, that was, and that's one of those things that I was gonna say. Like you go from that um, proofreading in uh, New Hampshire to rubbing elbows with Hall of future Hall of Famers, um, yeah. and that's just yeah. like it's an incredible story, and it's one of those that everything lined up at just the right time, and it's yeah, I, I can't even imagine. Incredible. Yeah. incredible luck never would have thought it would happen because i really had low self-esteem like there's nothing good that's ever going to really happen to me kind of feeling for a long time you know um and you know to 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 just do something different i mean i really think the thing that that, that's the whole you know the bedrock of everything was that i was just you know i i decided to make the leap and move you know and go to this new city you know and i mean I could have just been so easy to pack it in, you know, and just sort of live a, a quiet life in your hometown. Like uh, so many of my, you know, people I've known, I've done, you know, like I always think that, you know, I don't believe in like cliches and feel good stuff, but I, I think one of them is true. Like you have to risk something um, that's uncomfortable and scary if you know you really want some serious change in your life i guess you know that's what i think and i think that's what happened to me and um boy lucky you know real lucky and yet you know i also you know i had a feeling a little bit that something like this could happen even also too like weirdly like you know um hey i've got a college degree in journalism Uh, i was you know did well in my classes uh in english uh you know, maybe something will happen eventually here, you know, but uh, yeah, to, to, to what actually happened, I couldn't imagine a million gazillion years. Yeah. And you, you got to be a part of Stanley cup teams. You went through the lockout yep. years. Yep. Um, Everything may or may not have got in the bubble. Who knows? I got in the bubble. No, <laughs> I didn't go in the bubble. I know you're right. I actually never got in the actual bubble, and- but man, I could fill up the rest of your podcast for an hour t- uh talking about my experience in edmonton like what an amazing thing that was but anyway we're, we're talking abs history and everything so let's we can save that for later <laughs> yeah and like it's just <laughs> and you've become synonymous with um just avalanche everything going on with the avalanche if you hear any rumblings you wait it's it's just the thing you wait till data say something 
Well, I appreciate hearing that. I, I don't know if I'm as good as I used to be in my reporting. Uh, I'm very tough on myself. So when I say that, I'm like, all right, yeah, I still had like six, eight stories. I know I sort of broke this past year, but, um, but, but thanks. I, I, uh, you know, it's harder. It is harder to, it's been harder the last year and a half, uh, being quite the insider that I think I, I was, uh, not being able to see people face to face for a year and a half was, was tough. It just hurt everybody's reporting a little bit. Um, there's only so many things you can get on text, yeah. you know, or a call. I think my, my number one lesson to any reporters who want to break news and stuff and be a really good reporter is you have to actually have to face them face to face, you know, and talk and, and get to know them first because then they'll trust you with texts and stuff. Yeah. But if you never get to see anybody face to face, first first off, you know they don't really know you, so um, they're not going to give give you in, you know good little tips and scoops. Uh, um, and that's what I found has been, been more you know a problem in the last year and a half for me and probably a lot of other reporters. And that was that was about to be my next question when we're talking like your relationships, like you had relationships with Juan, Sackett, Kaminsky, Dead Marsh. I mean, all mm-hmm. the, all the house, everyone, everyone, and all the way up like to even, last guy in the team. That's who I usually talk to the most. That's the worst guy. And see, and They're then, usually the ones who give me the best scoops too. Anyway. That's what I was about to ask. Like with all those <laughs> incredible relationships and the working relationship that you have with all the members of the avalanche, what is it, what has it been like in this new uh, quote unquote covid climate like where it's been so difficult and you have members of the team coming in and out and you you don't get to have that relationship because it's not as personal anymore yeah that's it's a lot harder yeah um it's a lot harder it's no question about it i mean the the, the you know the sports writing especially in this day and age is just uh you know it's basically uh on the way out i mean it's you know it's um you can't uh, for a lot of reasons number one people don't read as much period or i mean i guess they do online but it's, it's a different form of reading um you uh you can't you know be in the locker room with players get to know them so then you just don't get as good enough stuff from them later on uh you know in the zoom era uh yeah and i've i've you know i've I've tried to ask good questions and get stuff out of people, but the fact is, you know, you're, you're sitting there and they're sitting there knowing they're saying every word of their saying is being recorded Yeah, for everyone to see, not just fellow media sitting there in the room, but uh, all the fans really, I mean, the, the teams put those things out on their websites, I think. Um, so yeah, everybody's watching what they say and it's just not the same thing. Um, it's been frustrating. Uh, you know, I, I don't deal. I have not dealt well with, with Zoom, really. Uh, you know, um, I got in trouble for saying the f bomb with Nathan McKinnon three months ago on a Zoom call. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's like everybody's on eggshells a little bit, and uh, one little thing you say, uh, you know, gets broadcast to the rest of the world. Whereas, you know, first 20, 20 years of my career, he said the f bomb every other word. Exactly. Players in the in the locker room <laughs> i mean every single other word not only would you say it as a reporter or at least i did i was you know i you know i just had one of those blue blue t- blue streaks but you know uh but that's how people talk in hockey i mean it definitely influenced me uh the way i talked in the room like everybody says the f-bomb yeah. everybody 
and every player says it to you and you say it to them, but it's just laughing. You're just laughing about it. You know, that's what I was trying to say. I might call it McKinnon, but uh, everybody blew it out of proportion. And uh, yeah, I got in some trouble for that. And see, and that's the thing, like, um, like it's, it's just so different. Like I've, I have to do my episodes of the podcast. Like you connect on zoom, but you don't really mm-hmm. connect. And it's right. uh, like, I, you have no, like your, your video feature like you can see them they can see you but there's no connection and right and you're like especially if you have that working relationship like day in day out you know these guys you know what's going on and they know you it's hard to um it's hard to trust yeah Yeah. reporting is all about trust like exactly they they you need they need to trust you if they're going to tell you anything yeah and you have to earn that trust with them, though. And a lot of the times how you earn that is just showing up every single day, showing your face, you know, and being, you know, respectful to them in the room and just doing your job. But, yeah, after a while, you know, you, you do develop a little relationship as you're, you know, you're around them every day, you know, and, and <laughs> you try it, to get to know them. I never thought there had to be this wall between me and a player, even though I was not a guy who would, you know, go out and drink with players. Well, not much. Uh, I did. I did do a couple times, and those are fun stories that would be on a you know R-rated podcast. But uh, yeah, not here yet. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. But you can't do that anymore. Uh, the players are in a bubble, basically. Even without COVID, they were still in a bubble. Yeah. And bus, uh, airplane, back to the bus, hotel, arena, back to the bus, back to the plane, back to your hometown that's 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 what they do they don't really ever mingle with the public otherwise yeah unless they're signing a couple autographs on the way out of the practice arena they literally live in a bubble too and they don't and that includes no media around them whereas when i first started covering the abs i was invited on the team plane uh, i was invited on the team buses you know to get to know them better and teams thought that was more valuable now with so much money uh, and media just being what they could, could could consider to be a liability as far as their brand goes. Yeah, everybody's shut out. And then it becomes a game of sort of kiss ass between the media and the teams to hopefully get some kind of access. But yet it's going to be, you know, basically prostituting themselves to not write anything negative about the team. It's, it's like sports writing has become like uh, entertainment, uh, celebrity journalism and like People Magazine or Us Magazine, you know. Yeah, um, the biggest media outlets sort of get the favorable, you know, stuff, but you have to watch a piece of cues to not really say anything critical about it. I mean, it's all just a big, uh, big money grab now where everybody's trying to control their quote unquote brand. And that's what I was just about to say, especially like piggybacking off that point where you're talking about like people don't read as much anymore. It's like the advent of like social media and um, literally oh. everybody getting a voice like in a platform and a like a quote-unquote show or a brand Mm -hmm. like the athletes are more guarded on what they say and what they do with when it comes to untrusted media because names Mm -hmm. and faces and um, affiliations Mm -hmm. come and go so and i know they did it as something cute but like you can see like uh the avalanche will put videos out of like them being interviewed in the playoffs on zoom but it's actually their family members like operating under another name. Like it's already like, they don't trust you on zoom. And then you're, you're playing that game with like family members. So like Mm. just that whole disconnect. And like, before we even hit record, I had to like 
I was telling you, like, this isn't a gotcha podcast. Like, yeah. so many people make their name off of the one line of what somebody says, and then they get to run with it, and then they get popularity, they get clicks. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah, that's fine. I mean, you know, I and, mean, I've had some baggage in my life. People know about it. I don't mind, you know, talking a little bit about it, but uh, but that's going no, like you're right. I mean, yeah, to that athlete relationship. Podcast. Yeah, the athlete but, yeah, relationship. But probably there'd be some dumb media in, uh, executive somewhere saying, "Well, that's great, man. You're gonna have some integrity and all that. That's great as a podcast. Yeah, and you're also gonna go broke, you know, yeah. because you too, and I'm nice. And uh, yes, negativity and clicks and and sensationalism, like it or not, sells. Um, I can t- promise you that um, there's a lot of sports media sites that don't do anything original but there's still cash in like six figure checks and um and it, for and all it, this stuff yeah and, and you can see it like on the app like on the athlete side like they know all this is coming in and the last thing they want is to show up in the locker room the next day oh. with somebody's headline like what's this about oh yeah and like having that distress yeah. where they're already trying to oh, no. close off like that relationship you have with the players oh yeah that long history speaks volumes so yeah i mean and losing know that, that little bit on a zoom call i know had to be it was difficult yeah i mean it was these last three months have been probably some of the worst of my whole professional life uh the way i felt um you know i got caught saying the f-bomb on a call it made me you know and it wasn't people you know people who know me know that i'm okay you're gonna say it case it's but, you know, it, it got turned into this sort of mockery thing. And, uh, you know, I think people, some people thought I was drinking or something. And uh, so I definitely sounded like I may have been drinking. <laughs> um, but I wasn't. Uh, I was I was at a bar, though. This is a long, fascinating story, really. Uh, but I was at a bar because I was fulfilling a contract obligation to, to go to this bar, Blake Street Tavern, where mm-hmm. you know, we host watch parties. And uh, I was sitting there drinking, um, you know, I think ginger ale or something. Um, you know, I asked a really long, coherent question to Jared Bednar like a minute after my McKinnon call. You know, what happened was I got just, I was always super uncomfortable a little bit on those calls. Yeah. If I was late on muting myself, like, like I was all the time, um, I usually, you know, say some, some um, word of profanity <laughs> at myself for being late. <laughs> And, and I was always late, and that made me nervous. And then uh, McKinnon makes me nervous too. He's always barked at me a lot, and uh, um, you know, <laughs> I I shouldn't feel that way as a long veteran. But yeah, McKinnon sometimes makes me hem and haw a little bit uh, <laughs> because he's always barking. He's never in a good mood, especially after a loss. I knew it'd be a horrible, you know, question. And no matter what, I'm probably going to get barked at. So yeah. I, you know, I'm kind of stumbling over my words on this, and I basically meant to say, like, look. And I believe this, you know, this is the thing about the whole thing that happened was like, I actually believed what I was asking, like, you know, hey, Nate, I, you know, third year in a row, hey, I hate to say this, but, you know, maybe you guys think, I think they think too much as a team. Uh, I think they get stuff in their heads too much. And my, you know, my, my question was like, hey, maybe do you think you guys need to sort of not think too much out there and just say, you know screw it i should have yeah. said screw it you know instead i said the other word and it made out to be like this you know mckinnon you know obviously didn't didn't 
didn't <laughs> humor me at all with that. I just said, no. And I, I'm like, oh, God, I look like an even bigger idiot. So, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, then Twitter takes off. It's it, what, have it, I, what have I done? You know, and I'm, it's I'm held to a professional standard. You know, you can't say the F-bomb in player interviews. I mean, and why did I do that? I don't know. I was just so stumbling around in my mind a little bit. Frazzled. You had and up- I said that word, and I was like, I probably subconsciously thought it was nothing wrong saying that word. <laughs> I said it a million times with players, including McKinnon. Yeah, before that. So anyway, it's, there you go. You got you you got the brunt of an upset upset fan base looking for a yeah. scapegoat. That's all. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, you know, I deserved uh, it because <laughs> uh, I was one of those. Like, I I take I take games like to the next level in seriousness. I'm. I got my superstitions and like oh, after sure. that after that game, I literally said to a buddy of mine, I, I'm so glad I'm not dater. <laughs> I was like, because I don't want I was like, none of them want to answer anything. And uh, oh God. And oh. I, know, I, I just I you know, I don't I don't understand why I said that, you know, because I knew right it was out of my mouth, like, oh God, what did I just do? I thought it would maybe slip by, you know, nobody. But of course, I think it was on national TV. Yeah, as well. Like that's everybody has seen it. Everybody <laughs> that I know, and even casually bringing up, yeah, yeah, I heard about, I heard about that. Like what? God, this thing must have just been incredibly. You know, I was, I just, you know, dater jinx right there and there. Like, why did I do that at that time? I, I can't understand. You know, I can't explain it. Uh, it, it became the, like why did i do that you know it's it be, really bothers me that i did that you know, it became so the gotta, fun thing to do with the media was to find those that had problems with zoom and to run yeah, with that no. and i was just like i was one i was like, one <laughs> you would get those that they would like post it like on like nhl socials like look at this guy he's like had like serious oh, lag or, like, i was on some of those yeah I mean, and i I'm just an idiot. it's they were look you know what it, it's it's going back to what we were talking about like that lack of connection and you don't have like your your stories you got to run with something you can't just right. sit here so you you find something and run with it so i mean yeah. it's 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 all hey listen i mean if there's something huge that that i know and you know um you know it might hurt a player's feelings or something i mean i'm, I'm you know i'm probably still gonna have to run with it but you know when it comes to a million other little things like yeah you know i mean you tell me not to write it and i won't write it yeah. You know, and that's that's what players would do or else, you know, the most of the time they wouldn't go that far, though. They said, look, here's what's going on. Just don't have my name attached to it. Yeah. And that's what everybody still says, you know, didn't well, come from me. If you can get people telling you that as a reporter, hey, this didn't come from me, but yeah. then you're you're in you win, you know, because they're, they're, they're telling you stuff. Well, um, just can't be traced back to the, <laughs> um you know but, it's uh it's about relationships yeah i was so lucky to be at a time still a little toward the end of this real print media era where guys could get to know players better um so i had a good you know 10 years of that and then you know right around 06 07 08 you know some things started to sort of change a lot more for the worse as far as when it comes to reporters and, and access and being able to get inside and stuff you know what i mean and before we get ready to um close this episode up what do you think about year 26 going forward for the avalanche um, letting Grubauer just head to Seattle, the acquisition of Kemper and Darren Helm and members like that. What do you see going into year 26 of the avalanche going forward? Well, um, 
I think it should be a real good team. Um, I think the Avalanche upgraded in goal with Kemper over Grubauer. Now, you know, that's my opinion now. A lot of people might disagree. Um, let's see what happens in the season and compare notes. Uh, I think he's a really, really good goalie. He's been untapped gem. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's going to go into a UFA year too. A lot to prove. I mean, there's so many things I like about Grubauer's situation in the Avalanche moving forward, just from pure cynical business valuations to, you know, real talent and, and what will happen. Uh, so I think it's going to be a win there. I don't think they, I do think they have a loss with Brandon Saad and, and add Don Scott. I mean, I think they're, they're a good forward down from last year's team. Yeah. And, you know, can new hook fill that, those shoes. Um, yeah. Going to be, going to be one of the top subplots, whether he can or not. Uh, um, you know, uh, you know, the defense though looks really good. I mean, you know, this is, a, you know, I, I say what you want about Eric Johnson, but I think, you know, him coming back and being a new, basically a new player again. Yeah. Uh, is a really good plus, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he would have gotten a lot of interest as a free agent if he was out there. Trust me. Absolutely. Teams. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, bottom line though, is it comes down to, uh, you know, I hate to say this, but, you know, it doesn't even really matter until the playoffs. Yeah. You know, what these guys do. It's it's about how healthy they are at that time. How tired are they? You know, this is going to be a tough schedule this year with the Olympics. Uh, everything's packed in again. This is going to be a tired, tired team a lot, I think. Well, do you uh, see based- do you see Super Joe making a, uh, a Theo Fleury, Rob, uh, like a Ray Bort type move? at the mm. deadline no because if he does if, if he's trying to add a great great player by then that that means the team's doing um you know probably really well just when he wants that last thing but what are you going to give up you know now, now you're taking away from the team yeah um and if you're terrible then you know you're not going to be able to trade for some big big name anyway i mean you know no nobody at that deadline is going to give you a franchise player because that franchise player is already playing for their team yeah. in you know near the deadline and they're probably one of their best pieces to win the stanley cup so only only in the old days did you see a lot of really big names go from bad teams to, to good teams but that's because there was no cap and yeah. uh, the worst teams would just sell off their best players to the rich teams, and the Avs were fortunate enough to be one of those teams um, back then. But yeah, you, nobody, everybody has the same budget now. And uh, if you're a really good team um, at the deadline, that means you probably have little to no cap space, and you can't take on a big name like that. So yeah, no, I don't think so. Well, well, we will see. We're getting ready to get ready training camps right around the corner one season ends we're right back into another one so um, yep. you're about to get busy <laughs> all over again so i'm glad you were able to carve out some time to come on the show and how can people find you if they're looking for more avalanche content well the best place is my website called the uh, colorado hockey now.com it's uh, two and a half years old um you know um i'm the primary guy who does most of the coverage but uh i do have a couple freelancers as well and uh you know we're trying to add more actually and uh um yeah coloradohockeynow.com is uh is the site for 
all my offerings on the Avs. Um, and it's also part of a larger network too. Uh, I think we're in 11 cities now. Um, so, uh, we, uh, we try to just focus all on hockey and nothing else, uh, for your, for your few dollars a month. And, uh, uh, happy to have you aboard. Uh, anybody listening to this, if you want to get $5 off the website, use the code word five off in the checkout box. There you go. Thanks for that plug. Hey, anytime you are, <laughs> I mean, you are a welcome guest here. You can plug whatever you need to plug. And on that note, I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, five bucks off 29 99 a year goes to 24 99 a year. Just use the code word five off. And, and that, uh, that is Colorado Hockey Now. That's where you can find yep. Adrian Dater, and is where you're putting in that promo code. And in mm. the in the spirit yep. of plugs, while while we're doing it, if this is your first time here in Puckburg, you can follow us on Twitter at hpuckburg, on Instagram here in Puckburg, on Instagram underscores in between the words. We have a Facebook, and if you'd like to come on and share your own puck tale and your story with a game of hockey, email the show at here in Puckburg Podcast at bellyupsports.com. So for me, Adrian, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been a huge honor. Yeah, you are welcome back anytime. Well, you can have me on anytime. It was fun and I uh, appreciate it. And uh, all the best to your listeners. And uh, yeah, go Avs. Go Avs, go. And until next time, thank you for stopping here in Puckburg. <laughs>